0: Okay, we're going to read from Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, and then we'll turn to a couple other uh, verses. Okay, Isaiah 53, verse 1 says, Who has believed our report, or our teaching, or our doctrine? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? This is revealing the Trinity, when it says, Who has believed our teaching and to whom the arm of the Lord is revealed the arm of the Lord is Jesus Christ and he it says will grow up before him as a tender plant as a root out of dry ground he has no form nor comeliness and when we will see him there is no beauty that we should desire him and really what it says in the original is the thing that's heard who has believed it? The greatest thing that's ever been heard, who has believed it? Verse 3 says, he is despised and rejected of men. A man of sorrows, meaning he was lacking men of distinction as his supporters. There was no one in the world who was of any, of any importance as far as the world was concerned that would support him at all. And it says, we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs. And this is a picture of God's view. God has viewed his son as the vicarious. And the word vicarious simply means one who suffers for another or one who suffers for the sins of another. So the father views him as the vicarious redeemer. So that's why it says surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and that's a beautiful thing to think of this morning that he's car- he carries has carried and he still carries our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken and this of course this is not God speaking this to the church the bride of Christ, this is, he speaking this to the nation of Israel, but we can glean from it like we, we will this morning. So we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was, ru- he was w- wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In other words, the Hebrew says that every person outside of Christ, all of us in our former state, of being unsaved, and all of Israel were living in rebellion. They were rebels and implying a revolt against the sovereignty of God. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her, her shearers is dumb, silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and, and from judgment. <clears throat> and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. In other words, what was laid on him, all of that that was against God was laid on him and caused to meet or to go unto him. And it says, He made. His grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. Notice this, it says, he he did no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. In other words, he he was the son of God, and as God, he could never be tempted with evil. In James 1, verse 13, he can't even look on it. In Habakkuk uh, 1, verse 13, he can't even look on evil. But even in his humanity, his humanity was impeccable, which meant that he was not even capable or even liable of even being tempted to sin. That's what it means. There was no, he had done no violence and neither was any deceit in his mouth. And look what it says in verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you will make his soul an offering for sin. Notice what it says. It says, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. It will be in his hand. All of our prosperity is as a result of what his hand, his life has accomplished. Then verse 11 says, he will see the travail of his soul and will be satisfied by his knowledge will my righteous servant justify or clear from all guilt for many, for he will bear their iniquities. Now it was men, obviously we see, because the cross is the picture. And when we see when Jesus Christ came in Galatians 4, verse 4, in the fullness of time, that word in John 1, verse 14 Chapter 1, verse 14, that became the word, the word of God became flesh. And when he was crucified at 33 and a half years of age, he was crucified. And the Roman government, which would represent the whole world, that wants nothing to do with God whatsoever, used the religious system of the world To kill God. In his humanity. To try and do away with Jesus Christ. So it was men. Who inflicted upon. This servant of God. And that's when Isaiah speaks of the servant of God. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. And it was men who inflicted upon the servant of God. Such crushing. Suffering. And such deep sorrow. But the. But as the Hebrew brings it out, it was the supreme effective cause of God himself who made the sin of man become subservient to God, to his own pleasure. Think of that. He would use what Satan would mean for evil, the way he did with with Joseph in Genesis 50, verse 20. God would use for good. He made the sin of man in killing his son become subservient to him in terms of God's good pleasure, even towards those that killed him. That's what it means when it says it pleased the Lord to bruise him. And it was God that was in his predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge. It, God was the effective cause behind even using, not causing, but using the sin of man. Because it was in his perfect pleasure. It had to do with his perfect pleasure. It had to do with his perfect will. And it had to do with his perfect predetermined counsel. That's why Revelations. Uh, 13 verse 8 says that he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth God knowing in his foreknowledge what men would be like before he created them and obviously before he created man there was the lamb that was already slain before the foundation of the earth the works in Hebrews 4 verse 3 were finished from before the foundation of the earth and we are And it's him that causes us to even walk in them in Ephesians 2, verse 10. But it was the predeterminate counsel and foreknowledge of God. The suffering of his servant was to be to him, was to be to Jesus Christ, the way to glory, the way to his glory. You'll see that in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. It explains it, and it's the Greek calls it the kenosis chapter, where God became a man, was not ashamed to, be, to put on humanity, perfect humanity, to be the sin sacrifice in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. But it was the, the, the way for him as the son of man, it was the way of suffering was, was to the way of his glory. And this way of his, through suffering to glory, was to lead to the establishment of a church of the redeemed. That's what Jesus was speaking to Peter in Matthew 16, verse 18. When he asked him in Matthew 16, verse 15 and 16, who do men say that I am? And then he said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God God. And Jesus Christ said to him, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. See, flesh and blood can't reveal anything of God to us. We cannot depend upon ourselves. For anything of the work of Christ, who he is and what he's completed, nothing we can depend on in ourselves. It has to be the Holy Spirit who takes the things of Christ and continues to show them unto us to keep us out of the only way that we could perform outside of Christ. And that would be to use the flesh. And God, of course, won't be interested in any of that. And neither will we when we are in his presence. But really what it was, that was it was this way through suffering to glory that would lead to him, himself would be the one that would establish a church of the redeemed because it would all come from Him. It's who He is in His person and what He has accomplished and as far as being our Redeemer, our Savior. So He Himself, Jesus Christ Himself, would be the fulfillment of the divine plan of salvation, which He... He and He only is the ever-living One. And this is what it says, and this is a beautiful point. He is not only the only One who fulfilled it as the ever-living One, but what He already fulfilled, He is the One who is ever working in us what has already been established for us as His redeemed. He is the One who will carry it through in each of our lives to completion. He's the only one. We've said these verses many times, many, many times. In Job 23, verse 14, he performs the thing that he requires. He requires us to receive the performance of the ever-living one and the ever-working one. That's why Job said, In Job 23, verse 12, I have esteemed his word more than my necessary food. Think about it. I esteem his word more than my necessary food. And the reason he esteemed it was because he was going to live and feed on and receive the performance of the ever-living, of the ever-working one in and through him. That's why even in that great kenosis passage of Philippians 2, 6 through 11, we go right into verses 12 and, and 13, where it says to work out, work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling because it is God which works in you. Who is God that works in you? It is Jesus Christ, the ever-living, the ever-working One. And when we think about it, when we even think about the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelations 19, verse 9, the supper, the marriage in 7, the marriage in verse 9, He serves us. What will be happening for all eternity? For all eternity, He will be serving us. That's why he put on humanity, not just to become the sin sacrifice for us, as we said in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, but a body that he could always identify with us. He became us. Think about it. In Hebrews 2, 9, all the way through to the 18th verse, he became us. It behooved him to become like us. And that's why in Hebrews 2, verse 11, both he that sanctifies... And them that are sanctified are all of one. And that's why he, as the ever-living one, put on humanity to be one with us in every single thing that we would go through. He bore every single one of our sorrows, and he carries us, having borne them, and, and through his intercession, even now, as he intercedes for us When we are in these fragile clay job little bodies that we have, as we get older, they seem to be wearing out more and more. Talked to a good friend of mine, and he said, Yeah, the older we get, these bodies, they seem to be wearing out. But even the greater the treasure, we have this treasure, the treasure of the ever-living, ever-working one in us. Not ashamed in Hebrews 2. Verse 12, to call us brethren. There's no shame in him and what he has accomplished in us and, and how he has made himself to be one with us. There's no shame in him whatsoever. Should there be in us? Should there be? Well, every single thing that God would accomplish would spring only from his son. As we said, he would be the tresp- trespass offering, the Asham, the trespass offering, and here, it ha- in Isaiah 53 especially, it has a sacrificial meaning. The sacrificial meaning is the fact that it was paid by the soul of the servant of Him, Christ Himself, submitting to a violent death. We ever. If we ever wonder, or the enemy tries to come in like a flood, to think that God might not love us for one second, we have the proof that His Son, God in humanity, remember in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 19, God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, potentially for everybody that would receive Him as their substitute. The vicarious, efficacious substitute. Vicarious, one who suffers for another. Effective, efficacious, extremely. The most effective thing that God could have ever done, he did in Jesus Christ for us. And he does it all. And he suffered a violent death. But in Acts 2, we'll turn to Acts 2 and then we'll begin to wrap this up. But in Acts 2, we see as the Holy Spirit came down to form the very church of the redeemed, what it was speaking of, far in the future. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18? He said to Peter, Flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. In verse 17, verse 18, he said, And upon this rock... I will, future, he said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against them. Why? Because we are more than conquerors, in Romans 8, verse 37, through him that loved us. We may be, in Romans 8, verse 36, sheep that are led to the slaughter. And the only thing that he wants to slaughter in us is what he's already accomplished. He crucified the flesh, the old man. He crucified the old man. He did away with any form of performance. We will never be satisfied in anything other than Jesus Christ. We will never be satisfied. We'll never rest. We'll never find peace in what we try to perform and what Christ has already accomplished. We will never be able to rest. We'll be like the the, the sea The troubled sea in Isaiah 57, verse 20, that casts up the mire. And in verse 21, there is no peace that says, says my God to the wicked and the wicked are simply the unbelievers. Thank God that's not us. That's not who we are in him. So the Holy Spirit after Christ was crucified in John 1, verse 11. He was crucified. He finished the work in John 19, verse 30. He went up and sent the promised one that he promised in, in John fourteen verse sixteen and seventeen and John fourteen verse twenty six and in John fifteen verse twenty six. He sent down another comforter, the Holy Spirit, to establish what he already established, a church of the redeemed. And in Acts the second chapter, it says this as Peter is preaching. To the Jews, he says in Acts 2, verse 23, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, shown and manifested how he was literally God and how God was trying to reach you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know, it's not that they didn't see the miracles that Jesus performed. They were eyewitnesses. Some out of ignorance rejected him. Others, knowing he was their Messiah towards the nation of Israel, rejected him. Just like people do today. They know him as the only Redeemer. I can't even imagine. Thank God. I Thank God. That I don't have to be that way. to re- Knowing that He is the Savior and rejecting Him. Just rejecting Him. But in Acts 2, verse 23, it says, Which God did by Him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel. That's what we were talking about in Isaiah 53. He was delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Yes, it was men. Yes, it was the world system apart from God and the religious system trying to do for God apart from God, who crucified God in his humanity. But yet God was the effective cause behind everything that they were doing to his son. That's why it pleased him. Can you believe it? Pleased The father to bruise his son. Verse 11 in Isaiah 53, it says he will see, he will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Think about it. God is satisfied with everything about what Christ has accomplished for him, for his father and for us. He's completely satisfied. God is completely satisfied with Christ in us. And we will never find our satisfaction outside of where God rests, of where he is pleased. And it pleases God for you and I to rest in the completion of his son in the satisfaction of God where he rests. Him being delivered by the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. This reveals the counsel of the triune love of God before the foundation of the world. We wonder why. Why did God create the world if he knew all this was going to happen? Well, I think you and I will be thanking God for that. We can thank him now, but just think about all eternity. And as these physical bodies of ours begin to wear out more and more. We just get closer and closer to the fact of 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from this body, present with the Lord. For now, in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, absolute dependence upon him, and not by sight, not by the flesh, not by what the flesh determines, but we can live in the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God manifested and revealed in the glory of His Son. And thank God in Colossians 1, verse 27, it is Christ in us. And us in Christ. He is the hope, the guarantee of glory. He's the guarantee. So he, David went on, uh, uh, Peter went on to say, whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Thank God that in Romans 6, verse 9, he that dies once dies no more. When we accept the fact that Christ died for us, died as us, and paid for all of our sins and crucified the old sin nature, thank God he looses the pains of death. Our physical bodies, as we'll see very shortly, even just sleep. The physical body sleep in the dust, waiting to be transliterated, transformed into his, of the likeness of his glorious body. And we'll see that in Philippians three, twenty, and 21. But as we close this up, it says, Whom God has raised up in Acts 2 verse 24, having loosened the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of death. Death, it wasn't possible that death could keep him in its grip because in John 10, verse 17 and 18, he literally, death did not take him. He gave himself over to death for his father and for us, to his father, for us. For David spoke concerning him. I foresaw the Lord always before my face, in Psalm 16, verse 8, For he is at my right hand, the right hand of absolute God's absolute approval, acceptance, and eternal satisfaction about us in Christ and what his son's accomplished. He's at my right hand, and because of that, I should not be moved. In other words, what should move us? We do get moved, but the only time we do is when we move away in our thinking from who he is in us and who we are in him. We all do that at times, it's part of growth, but the fact is that we should not be moved. He says, therefore, did my heart rejoice and my tongue was, was glad in Psalm sixteen eight. moreover also my flesh will rest in hope because you will not leave my soul in hell, neither will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, as we wrap this up in 1 Corinthians, well, even in, in uh, Philippians 3, look what it says. And we quoted this in Philippians 3, it says this, for our conversation, conversation here in Philippians 3.20 is literally, the Greek is our citizenship. It's not what we speak. It's where we reveal where we're from. Our citizenship in Hebrews 13.14 is in heaven. Because our citizenship has been granted us because of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. And so he, for our citizenship, is in heaven. Everything about our life is is in heaven, not here on this earth. From where also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it says in verse 21. For all of us, people that are getting on in our age and our physical bodies... With all of these things that happen, look what it says. For who will change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able. He is able, think about that. He is able even to subdue all things unto himself. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul is teaching these Corinthians about what God's going to do because of Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished and where this should have built all of us up And as we are still in these fragile clay jars groaning <laughs> in Romans eight, twenty-three to 28 we are groaning in these physical bodies waiting for the adoption of sons <laughs> and we're there positionally but we're crying out and groaning the whole creation groans to be released and, and to have the redemption of this this prized possession, which is our, our physical bodies. And Paul goes into it in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. And it's really amazing how he says it in verse 34. He says, awake, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some... Will say, How are the dead raised up? Their physical bodies. And with what body do they come? He says, You fool, you, you're, you're ignorant, you're untaught. That which you sow is not quickened or made to be alive, except it die. And what he's teaching is, listen, when we receive Christ, the fact that he died for us, died as us, and paid for our sins. He that dies once dies no more. We have been quickened. We have right now eternal life in the treasure of who Christ is in us, residing in these fragile clay jars. That's what keeps these jars even going uh, to waiting for that redemption. And Christ is that very eternal. He is our eternal life in 1 John 5, verse 11. So he says, You unlearned, you uninstructed. That which you sow is not quickened or not made alive except it die. And that which you sow, you sow not that body that will be, but bare grain. And he goes on to give examples. Some may be wheat or some other grain. But look what it says in verse 38. But God has given it a body as it pleased him. I want you to think about that. God has given it a body as it has pleased him and to every seed his own body. Now, I want to repeat this verse again in Isaiah because I want us to see the way God gave this to me this morning a way that I've never seen it before in these verses in Isaiah 53 again. And we want to read that again, Isaiah 53. And look what it says. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 38 again. But God gives it a body as it pleased him to every seed his own body. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put Him to grief when you will make his soul an offering for sin. Look what it says. He will see his seed, he will prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord. Think about that now the pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. God is pleased with what Christ has accomplished for us. And He is God's hand, and He resides in us. God is pleased. There's nothing left for us to do but to continually receive from the hand of Jesus Christ, even as He intercedes for us in Romans 8, verse 34. He intercedes for us and comforts us in this intercession in Hebrews 7, verse 25, in Hebrews 9, verse 24. But God gives it a body. Why did Jesus Christ? Why did he give himself over to death? Why did he put on a body? To be beaten beyond recognition. In Isaiah 52, verse 6. To be beaten beyond recognition. So that you and I could have a body, a brand new body, just like his, to fit us. For the place where we will be with him because we will be like him for because we will see him as he is. And in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 12, we will see him as he is. And in seeing him as he is, we will see ourselves in him for all eternity. But it can be our privilege right now. He gave him a body as it pleased him and to every seed his own body we got we are gonna get. So hang in there (laughs) all of us with these physical bodies. Hang in there. That's right. Because, yeah, we're gonna be there very, very soon with brand new bodies, brand new bodies. And that's why it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's why I had to put on humanity so that the Father could bruise him as the sin sacrifice. So that he could, through the work of Jesus Christ, Christ would rise from the dead in a glorified body. And that glorified body is just waiting for us. And for now, we do see through a glass darkly. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, but then face to face, we will be facing him with brand new glorified bodies and we will be seeing him Face to face. That means continually learning about who he is in us and who we are in him instantly for all eternity, nonstop. And that's why it pleased the Father to bruise him, to put him to grief, because he would see his seed. In other words, Jesus Christ with his human body glorified and perfected would be able to see us and identify with us. And our perfect glorified bodies. Because he died. And thank God. Colossians 3 verse 3. It says you died. You died. And your life is hidden. With Christ in God. For Christ who is our life. When he is manifested. is going to be a phenomenal thing for us. In Colossians 3 verse verse 4. Listen. These bodies. It says here. That. There are celestial bodies and bodies that are terrestrial, heavenly and earthly. But the glory of the celestial, heavenly, is one. And the glory of the the terrestrial, the earthly, is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differs from another star in glory. And I want us to think of this, what we have in Christ, what he's made us to be. The one who created them, Jesus Christ in his pre-incarnate state, who created them, who keeps them in their fixed places, in their fixed orbits, in their fixed places, the sun, the moon, the stars that are without number. The Bible makes very, very clear. Psalm 147. You'll see it in there. They are without number. And as beautiful and as brilliant as they are, will pale in comparison to the glory that is to be revealed in us because of Jesus Christ, because of his glory. And that glorified body will outshine any moon, any star, any sun ever. And so it says in verse 42, So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. In Christ in Second Corinthians 13, verse 4, he was crucified in weakness, meaning he took on flesh, and he could feel every single thing that you and I would go through. Yet yeah, he did it without a sin nature, but he didn't feel it any less. He felt it far more because he took upon him all, not only of his own, what sin would do to him, but what sin did to us. He took it upon himself. That's why he intercedes for us and is preparing that incredible place for us in John 14, verse 2. It is sown a natural body. has raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam, Jesus Christ, a quickening, a life-giving spirit. So, we can thank God for this because it's very, very soon. Paul says, and we'll close with this, in verse 51, he says, Behold, I show you a mystery. He said this, we will not all sleep. And what he's teaching there is this, that not, there will be some that won't die. Their physical bodies won't have to sleep and wait to be transformed. <laughs> kind of hope it's us. We don't, we don't know, but it would be great. But either way, absent from the body, present from the Lord, present with the Lord. But he said, Behold, I show you a mystery, something that's always been in the mind of God. But I want to reveal it now. We will not all sleep. We won't all have to die. But certainly we will all be changed. Think about it. We have that to look forward to. No more struggles. No more pain. You read that in Revelations. 21 verse 4, no more pain, sorrow, death, nor crying. For he wipes away all the tears. Revelation 7 verse 17. Revelation 21 verse 4. Isaiah 25 verse 8. He wipes away all the tears. No memory. No memory of the past. No memory. Because we don't have one truly in Christ. Truly in Christ we don't. We will all be changed. And look what it says. Maybe years of struggle. Years of growth. But look what it says in verse 52. In a moment. <laughs> in one moment. In one twinkling of an eye. Bell Laboratories. GE Laboratories says that's. 11 one hundredths of a second. Absent from the body. Present with the Lord. We travel Trillions and billions of miles to the third heaven, just to the third heaven, in the bat of an eyelash, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at that last trump, that last trump in Revelation 4 verse 1 also, for the trumpet will sound and the dead, those, that, those physical bodies that are sleeping in the grave, will be raised incorruptible, and look what it says, and we will all be changed. In other words, all those that have gone on before us are in his presence. And when the rapture comes, they come in the clouds of the air with him, and we come instantly with glorified bodies to meet him and to meet all of them in the clouds of the air. And you read that in First Thessalonians 4, 14 to 17 and 18 and we can comfort and edify one another with these words because it's soon very soon that we will see him but finally in verse 57 but thanks to god which gives us which already gave us the victory through our lord jesus christ so this is what he has to say for us for now in verse 58 therefore And God wants us to know this, each each and every one of us. My beloved, we are his beloved. We are his beloved. My beloved brethren, be steadfast. Unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, God will always cause in you and I, his work to abound in us. In us, for us, through us. To others, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Yet a little while, yet just a little while. And Jesus said that in John 16, 16. He said, just it's just a little while. I think he said it in, in 14, 19 of John. Also, he said, just a little while. It's a little while a little while, absent from the body, present with the Lord, just a little while, yet a little labor, and all will be over in the pure glory and in the love of a God in Jesus Christ, ours, established as those, that church, that that body of His that has been redeemed. So, Father, build us up with the truth of Your Word this morning, and only You can do that. Only the Holy Spirit can take these words and cause them, us to be edified. That's why Paul said in Acts 20, 32, he said, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those that have already been made holy, being set apart in Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you for that. Thank you that the labor, the growth, the struggles are not in vain. They're not. God will even use it to bring us to the place to continue to rest in Him. And while we labor just for a little bit more, and these physical bodies that the older we get, the more they begin to break down, the more we have to so lovingly depend upon you, to lean on you with our whole physical body, with our spirit, soul and body father we're going to we're going to lean on you and that's what you're bringing us to you're reducing us down to the holy of holies who we are in christ where you rest in jesus name amen